as electric vehicles are becoming more and more mainstream, we're starting to see more people in the aftermarket wanting to make them go faster, make modifications to them, or even perform electric engine swaps into other vehicles. So we're here with Sasha from Motec Canada to find out a little bit more about electric vehicle performance as well as the electronic controls associated with them. Welcome to High Performance Academy's Tuned In Field Report podcast series. In these special midweek episodes, we look back through our archives to find the best conversations we've had through years worth of attending the best automotive events across the globe. We've pulled the audio from these tech-filled interviews with some of the industry's most well-known figures for you to enjoy as a quick hit of insider knowledge. So Sasha, just for our followers out here watching, uh, you're no stranger to EV and you got started a few years ago with what became a fairly well-recognised and popular engine swap into a Lotus Evora, Blue Lightning, you called it. Can you tell us what was involved in that build? Yeah, so with the Lotus Evora, which we called Blue Lightning, uh, funny enough, that was like a, when I was a kid, I would design cars and I called it Blue Lightning. So it was kind of just a tacky way to, uh, anyway, so it was a Tesla large rear drive unit and we used uh, Chevrolet Volt, two Chevrolet Volt batteries, which is a hybrid, plug-in hybrid uh, car from from the US. I'm going to just say that as we go through this interview, because I'm quite fresh to EV, I'm going to stop you a bunch of times and we're going to dig into some of these things. So first of all, as you just mentioned there, you're using a a Tesla motor, but a Chevy Volt battery. So there's no requirement, strictly speaking, to stick with the same brand manufacturer between motor and, and battery? No, the, generally speaking, a motor has a minimum and maximum voltage. As long as the battery, like works in that range, it'll work. So you put the Tesla motor in and the Chevy Volt batteries and uh, clearly you can't just plug all that in and expect everything to work. So this is where the complexity starts? Yeah, and the other thing is we didn't want to just get the motor to spin. We wanted to have full control of the motor. We wanted to have motorsport-like traction control. We wanted to have like a full vehicle integration and have the whole platform have a really OE feel. So this is difficult even in internal combustion engines, the, the modern copper cars, there's a lot of uh, communication between different uh, controllers, different modules in the car, and I'm not even talking about the engine necessarily, uh, automatic transmission controllers, even uh, air conditioning, the gauge cluster, etc. So how did you deal with this in the Lotus engine swap? One of the reasons we picked the Lotus Evora was because it's a very simple car, it doesn't have a very complicated CAN bus, there's not a lot of these modules. So it was fairly easy. We changed the instrument cluster to a C1212 dash. And basically, we just needed to make the factory vehicle stability control system work properly. Um, and then it was all just integrating the high voltage systems, which are called contactors. They close the circuits. Um, there's the charger. There's what's called a DC-DC converter, which charges the 12-volt system. So all of these systems need to have controls, and they need to be nicely you know, integrated, and not just have a bunch of switches on a dash like, a, like in a race car. All right, so you're using Motec Electronics here. Obviously, you are a Motec dealer for Canada. And how do you go about that? What's involved here? Can we directly control the Tesla electric motor using a Motec ECU with the correct firmware? Or is there more involved than that? So with the drive unit that we're using, we're basically emulating the rest of the Tesla. And the factory inverter in the Tesla motor is still running the motor. And it's being told by the Motec how much torque to make and traction control, all these things are being controlled by this Tesla, what we'll call vehicle control unit. 
So the advantage here with an electric motor is you've got much more precise control over the torque output than you have with the likes of an internal combustion engine. So does this give you a lot more freedom with aspects such as uh, the mapping of driver accelerator pedal versus uh, requested torque and maybe aspects such as traction control, launch control, etc.? Yes, the, the, the torque is pretty amazing. I mean, you command a torque, put it on the dyno, and it's a straight line. Like, it's really exact. It's quite cool. And the, the main thing that's so awesome is the response, especially in certain tracks with chicanes and tight features. It just explodes out of the corner, and it's really nice. And then it, the traction control is not an option. It's a necessity, especially with an electric motor with a single-speed gearbox. If you get on the throttle and there's no traction control and it starts to go, it'll go right to 220 kilometers an hour, whatever the max speed of the motor is. Now, with the actual motors themselves, when you look at a, a motor that's, for example, delivered in a showroom spec Tesla, is the headroom inside of that motor to provide more power or as Tesla deliver that car, is basically that, that the limit of what you're going to get out of the motor? What I guess I'm saying here is, is it similar to what we see in the internal combustion market where more often than not a showroom car has a certain amount of headroom and by tuning we can release some more power and torque? So there's two things we need to separate here. First of all, with Teslas, they do this thing called over-the-air software updates. So unfortunately, if you even were to tune a Tesla, it would, could just be overwritten. So let's just pretend that didn't exist. Usually an inverter, so to kind of take a step back, an inverter controls how much torque output you get, and the battery's voltage more or less controls how much horsepower you can get. So once you start to run out of battery voltage, you start to have trouble making more power. So you can't really make more voltage unless you change the battery but you can get more torque and a little bit more horsepower by pushing the inverter harder and above the limits that either the OE uh, automotive manufacturer spec or that the inverter, the power electronics in the inverter are spec'd at. Now, so is, is that at the risk of overheating and doing damage to these components essentially? Well, I'm, that's a, how, how do I answer that question? Of course, there's more risk, but is it substantial or significant? It all depends on the situation. But with electronics, what's different than with like an internal combustion engine is usually you can always make more power, but just for a shorter period of time. So for drag racing, potentially, as you've seen with Teslas, they can make a crazy amount of power for a short, short burst. But that's one thing if you want to get down a drag strip in maybe 9 seconds or 10 seconds. But if you want to go and do lap after lap around a racetrack, where this is where you get into the problem with the battery voltage? You get into a number of problems. I mean, cooling is really the problem. A battery cooling, inverter cooling, motor cooling. And, and we've seen that with all the new EVs that are coming out. They can go longer and more laps and, and do better on the track. And so it's a new set of problems to be solved. And it's also a, a problem of greed. With an internal combustion engine, you tune the engine for a certain power and that's it. But with an electric motor, you can always get a bit more, but for a little less time. So as you fix the cooling, you're going to hurt the cooling by asking for more power. So it's... It's always that balance, the uh, tightrope that you're walking? It's a different game. It's totally different. So at the moment, where, where do you see the realistic limitations on EV development right now? Is this the battery technology? Is it the motor technology? Is it the inverter or the control systems? Uh, what, what needs to improve for us to see that next step up in EV performance? I would say right now the EV performance you can get is extre already extremely good. You see the fastest cars in the world already. No doubt. So the, the limit is the cost. Um, if you, Right now the only way to really do it for the enthusiast is to be using OEM components, uh, OEM batteries and OEM motors. So 
the, the cost coming down and allowing for performance and motorsport oriented batteries and motors and inverters, that cost needs to come down significantly for it to be, I would say, easier for plug and play kits. The OE stuff is, is always hard to integrate with and it seems with EV, the integration is even more difficult. Now, I know this is going to be a difficult question to, to answer accurately, but I think a lot of people right now will be wondering, if I'm looking at a project car that I want to build for myself, and maybe you're now at the point where you're considering EV as a, a viable alternative to internal combustion, and maybe you're looking at going down the path of purchasing a, a crash Tesla for the motor, inverter, batteries, etc., what are our options now for aftermarket control of that? I mean, I know you're personally running the MoTeC there. We've talked briefly about that, but a lot of that was uh, your own custom firmware package. So what are the options available to the average home enthusiast who wants to look at this, this technology now? Yeah, so if you follow the recipe that we set out, you can use a MoTeC controller and use our firmware package that will work. There's also some simpler firmware, or uh, I shouldn't say firmware controllers that you can get that just send the CAN messages to control a Tesla motor. And, and three years ago, we were maybe one of the first or the second to do this. And now there's a lot. So it's, it's ramping up quite quickly. And as that's happening, there's more knowledge being built. And the, the other things that will come will be all the supporting components to go along with it to make the kits more of a plug and play type of thing than custom, you know, specifically with the battery and the high voltage wiring, trying to make that safer and more straightforward is, is going to be helpful. Do you want to take your car knowledge game to the next level? Join us in the next free lesson at hpacademy.com slash free and start developing your own skills today. All right, so moving on to a slightly different take on electric technology, you're actually a long-term internal combustion guy as well, so you're going to split it both, uh, across both sides of the spectrum there. And on your 350Z time attack car running the, the VQ35-based engine, uh, you're actually now incorporating a KERS system. And I want to just talk about that and how that works. So can you give us a bit of a rundown there? Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm super excited about this project. Um, from a control standpoint, it's, it's awesome because the ECU is controlling the engine, the paddle shift, the traction control, the inverter, all the, the safeties for the whole system. So it's, it's actually quite exciting. Um, and so basically what we've done is we've removed the clutch and the flywheel. And in that place, we've put in a five power motor. And so this motor will start the car from a dead stop. And once the car gets up to speed, the engine will come on. And we can use the, the combination of the motor and the engine to you know, charge the motor, discharge the motor, have 700 horsepower, or charge the battery. We can have all kinds of different control strategies, whatever you can imagine. We can use it for time attack to just fully deplete the battery in three laps, or we can have a curse setup, which will run a certain power and just try and charge and discharge at an even rate. It's, it's unlimited, man, the things we, that you can think of. All right, you, you've just dropped a whole bunch of information there. I think we need to go back and unpack a little bit of that. So, so first of all, uh, for those trying to get their head around it, so you've removed the clutch and flywheel assembly. So you've got this electric motor essentially fitted within the bell housing backing that VQ engine. Uh, so you mentioned there it starts starts the engine. So it can actually drive or motor the engine, so you don't need to start a motor. Can you only get away with the system with no clutch and flywheel because it is sequential and paddle shifted, so traditionally you wouldn't be using the clutch out on the racetrack anyway, or would this still be something that you could incorporate with a synchromesh box? Yeah, exactly. The design idea was, since we only use the clutch to get going, let's ditch all that weight because we're trying to offset as much weight as possible to make this a viable performance upgrade. All right, so in terms of the uh, available power from the electric motor versus the internal combustion engine, can you just give us some rough numbers on those? You did mention 700 horsepower total, but can you break that down? Yeah, so the VQ right now is the highest 
power VQ naturally aspirated, uh, I think, that exists. Um, so that's already making 500 wheel horsepower. And then this hybrid system will add another 200 horsepower. Now, getting the control of those two, two aspects, the internal combustion and the hybrid side of it, the electric side of it, is obviously where the complexity lies. And if you don't get that right, it's going to be very difficult to control. So again, is this all custom firmware that you've written to do this? Yeah, so we use the GPRP, the paddle shift base package, and then we've added everything in for all the electric control, a lot of it which has come from our Blue Lightning project. And we've integrated it with a lot of the other functions in GPRP. So for example, the paddle shift will also integrate the motor cut and the traction control will also integrate the motor cut. So we can, you know, basically with the hybrid system, we definitely don't want to use battery energy to spin the tires or to waste energy. So we'll, these are all aspects that are nicely integrated and put together. And then we've added a bunch of different drive modes and map settings to be able to, you know, vary these different torque maps and, and output. Uh, now, in terms of getting those batteries charged, you're, you're able to use, as I understand it, regenerative braking. So essentially, uh, when you are braking, uh, the, the, the car is essentially driving the electric motor, turning it into a generator, and then in, in that turn, it's recharging those batteries. But you mentioned off camera that there's a limit to how hard you can charge those batteries. Can you just talk to us about the complexities there? Yeah, so batteries are really difficult. And what I've ex mentioned before is batteries are really expensive. So we're using an OEM battery from a BMW i8. And the trouble with using OEM batteries is you don't really know the safe limits of them. But one thing we know is that you can't charge a battery as aggressively as you can discharge it. Um, and the heat created will be more so when you're trying to charge it very quickly. So yes, we can't take 150 kilowatts of power and shove it into the battery in every braking zone. Um, so that'll be a, a balance of watching the temperatures and the voltage, because when you try and charge a battery, the voltage of the battery goes up and you can't exceed the safe voltage of the battery. So when it's near full, you can't give it all of the power, but when it's low, you can stuff more in. So when you say there, you can't really charge it too hard in the braking zone. So the regenerative braking essentially there, you're kind of limited on how hard you can uh, charge it. But you did mention again off camera that you can actually charge it up to sort of a certain percentage of throttle where the driver isn't demanding maximum power. Can you tell us how that works? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you imagine in this case, we're not doing an endurance racing where we're our main focus is fuel economy. Our main focus in this application is using as much power from the motor system as we can. And the constraint for that is the battery. So we can take engine power when the driver's not demanding full engine power, and we can suck some of that away with the motor and charge the battery at a more gentle rate. So effectively, the battery is always being charged unless the driver is at full throttle. So essentially, there might sound a little bit counterintuitive, but when the driver is only at 70 or 80 percent throttle, as you sort of mentioned there, they're not actually asking for maximum power. And I'm guessing that this all feels completely seamless. The driver would never know what's actually going on. Yeah, in theory, 80 percent throttle will be all of the engine's power that it can deliver minus, you know, 20 or 30 kilowatts that's going into the battery. And then as the driver ramps it in, the regen will actually turn into positive power from the motor and you'll add another 200 horsepower from the motor instead of taking away that 30 or 40 horsepower. Well, I know you're still pretty deep in that KERS project and uh, we're certainly interested to see how it pans out. I mean, it is a technology, EV in general, that is really exciting and really interesting. We're seeing more and more development and uh, as this trickles down to become more available to enthusiasts, we're obviously going to see that enthusiast market expand greatly. So thanks for the time there for the chat, Sasha, and we wish you all the best with the 350. Thanks, man. It's good seeing you. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to leave us a review on whatever platform you've chosen to listen to it on. It goes a long way to helping us get the word out there. 
all these conversations and much more are also available in full on our High Performance Academy YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe.